The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. I see the red recording thing. That must be a recording. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, and trying to figure out what day it is here in pandemic world. I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. <laughs> and I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. On this week's show, we have a little bit of tech news that we've managed to scrape together. Uh, some of it's uh, virus-related, some of it not. And I have a hopefully helpful hint about uh, a uh, useful project you can do once you've streamed everything on Netflix, done all the jigsaw puzzles <laughs> in the house, and brushed up your cooking skills. Yeah, so we'll a get to that. A triple H. A triple H. Yes, so uh, so we'll get to that uh, later in the show, but um, as we, we roll into it here, uh, Al Kaiser, do you have any any concerns of note here uh, from uh, the world? I've got nothing. I've got nothing. It, it's been one of these crazy weeks where, yeah, we're in a quarantine and, you know, the pandemic uh, marches on and uh, everyone's freaking out, but work has been insane. It's okay. been one of these things. I get, everyone wants to podcast. They're sitting at home alone. They got a microphone. They want to use it. It's, exactly. They want to use it. They've got nothing better to do. I mean, I'm not complaining, but it, it's it's very bizarre. Well, you know, it, 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 if it's good for you, you know, and it probably makes the day go faster. Yeah, seriously. And, you know, considering a lot of people might be sitting at home by themselves, any way to talk to anybody is, is a good thing. Yeah, sure. I'll podcast with I you. I don't care. Human companionship. Exactly right. Exactly right. Are you uh, you doing all right there? You're, yeah, uh, you're yeah, hanging in there? Yeah, the, the the day job, you know, such as it is, keeps me busy. So um, yeah, that, that takes up a, the, the usual eight hours a day. Not having the commute time or dealing with the MTA is, is also nice. Getting a little bit more uh, reading and, and television in, in. And here in New York, they're predicting that within the next two weeks that we will be hitting the, the really apex peak of this virus infection, right? And so the call to stay indoors even more is going out louder. And we had, you know, the whole wear the face mask thing. And here's 15 different patterns for making your own face mask, depending on mm-hmm. if you want to look like a train robber or you want to look like a surgeon. <laughs> so there, there's those to, to contend with. But yeah, just kind of getting on with the getting on. I, I, by rights, have nothing to complain about. There you go. Same here. So, so we just keep the head down. I, I do find myself, and this was you know, even before the reality set in here, but I've always been kind of drawn to um, World War II stories and just the way mm. the home front people came together and sort of uh, d- put aside all politics and and rose up to to fight for a common cause. And so we're, we're seeing a little bit of that uh, in New York. I mean, there's still, you know, ultra cockers out there who are going to mess things up. But yeah, but yeah. overall, that there is kind of a community spirit and the seven o'clock clapping is still going on every night and people are even bringing band instruments into it. So it's become this little two minute a moment of improvisational joy every night. So, so that's a lot of cowbells. Nice. A yeah. lot of cowbells. Yeah. Anyone who said more cowbell is definitely getting more cowbell. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes. All right. Well, uh, I guess uh, now that we've had a little status check of our own, we should perhaps. Yeah, just talk about some of the things that happened in the news within the the last time we we chatted here. Tech news. Yes, a little little bit of tech news. Now, as parts of the United States head into the second month of self-isolation and social distancing, uh, the emergence of Zoom as one of the most popular video conferencing platforms has emerged. Thanks to numerous revelations that the company's user privacy and security practices uh, weren't so much, uh, and also those organized Zoom bomber trolls, 
organizing in massive groups to harass those in private meetings, some institutions are now dumping Zoom in favor of uh, more secure software, shall we say, um, without the, the big giant tank holes that you can drive through. My kid's school. Yeah. Didn't all of the New York City public yep. schools say do not use Zoom? It is too much of a security liability. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and Zoom and security have always been kind of an awkward dance anyway. I know there was a thing last year with the Mac installer where they were basically putting like a virtual web server on people's Macs and Apple was like, no, I'm going to patch that. And then also just cutting a lot of corners and shoddy little things and information being sent to different websites who collect user data. So all of it very, very sketch. And then now the Zoom bombing has, has even highlighted that more. According to the New York Times, uh, its reporters initially found 153 Instagram accounts, dozens of Twitter accounts, and uh, private chats and several active message boards on the likes of Reddit and 4chan, where thousands of people were gathered to organize these Zoom harassment campaigns. They were sharing meeting passwords that they scraped off the web, planned for sowing chaos and all the meetings they could find. So apparently there's also a lot of people who have no good feeling towards humanity and the bonus of an extra amount of time because they're not communing or whatever. <laughs> so instead of using it for the greater good, they're going in and busting up these Zoom meetings and causing havoc and putting porn and you don't want that and it's a class full of fourth graders and somebody comes in and Zoom bombs a class. So so all of this has been sort of uh, escalating uh, since the work-from-home orders began to go into states. Now, while Reddit has shut down uh, some of those message boards devoted to Zoom raids, and the Federal Bureau of Investigation is also even looking into some of uh, these incidents, the um, increase in troll abuse has led to, as we just mentioned, the New York City public school systems being a big one to say don't use Zoom. Uh, but a lot of companies are, are dumping it, too. They're just really nervous about it, so they're uh, being herded into Microsoft Teams, Google Hangouts, and uh, some of the other alternatives. Now, Zoom, for its part, it said it was instituting uh, what they call a feature freeze for 90 days, where I guess they stopped tinkering and maybe just uh, let's patch up the back of the truck here uh, before we, we try to, to do new stuff. So uh, they are uh, trying to address the very large collection of security holes and privacy problems in that. I don't know if 90 days will be enough, but uh, but we'll see. Now, while Zoom is retroactively trying to add security to its product, um, <laughs> Microsoft Skype is trying to grab back some of that video conference market share that was taken away by all of these new services coming out. Remember when Skype was like the thing and everyone was like, oh, let's do, you don't have to pay for a phone call, you can Skype. And yep, and yep. for a long time, Skype was how people communicated with each other. And then they, they sort of got shoved by the wayside because newer products came out with better video streaming. But Skype was like, you know, no, we're still here and we have this, this feature called Meet Now. So unlike regular Skype, uh, the Meet Now feature doesn't require that all participants have a Microsoft Skype account or install a separate app, which I think is where Skype kind of got tossed by the wayside because people's like, I yeah. don't want to install this extra thing and have a whole password and have it tied to my Microsoft name or whatever. So And it's crappy software. Yeah. And and it's it's not the, the best. Uh, the video compression leaves a little bit to be desired. Oh, yeah. But Skype is still, still trying to claw back a little bit of share, uh, even though they've got Microsoft Teams, which is their parent. Their and company's other product. So you do need one person to have an actual Skype account, but but everyone else doesn't have to. And then the person who has a Skype account organizes a meeting, goes out and sets up the meeting, sends a link to participants. And then when they get this, they can just log into the web client and have the meeting there. It does cut out the, the fact that you have to would have to have this other app. But some mm -hmm. people who've tried it say that the Meet Now feature was kind of bulky and underwhelming. And even though they were ready to meet now, it beach balled. And so they never got to meet. <laughs> 
So so maybe it was just a server overload moment. Who knows? But uh, if you are looking for yet another option for quick video meetings, Skype would like us to not forget about them. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Yeah, it might, might be too late. Yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on, also kind of though in a Microsoft vein here, a new law in Washington state is set to go into effect this July, and it has privacy advocates concerned, even though the legislation that they're concerned about is the first in the country to deal with the legislating of the use of facial recognition by a government. Hello. Yes. Hello. Now, uh, according to the critics, uh, the new law mainly deals with basic transparency and accountability for uh, when a state does decide that it wants to use facial recognition tools for real-time surveillance, which scary enough as it is. So it's mainly just about how you be transparent about that, but it doesn't actually do much to stop the government from using said technology. Additionally, mm. the law doesn't deeply address the commercial development or sale of facial recognition technology. It doesn't regulate sales to law enforcement or even hold companies accountable for the outcomes of their algorithms. And as uh, you and I know, we have talked about about algorithms having all kinds of problems uh, baked in. So that's a little worrisome there. But uh, the critics drilled down and looked at this even more and discovered that the bill was sponsored by uh, State Senator Joe Wynn, who also happens to be a program manager at Microsoft. (laughs) And so even though uh, Microsoft lent its corporate backing uh, to this passage of this bill was all for it, somebody who works for them wrote it. Critics are probably kind of right to to be concerned about this. Um, Now, critics of the critics say all the fears are overblown. (laughs) You're getting too freaked out. You're getting too ahead of yourselves. But the ACLU there uh, in the state of Washington uh, wrote a very strong rebuttal and said that anything short of a ban on facial recognition software uh, does not safeguard civil liberties because it can be used uh, for a variety of ways that infringe upon rights. So so I expect uh, there will probably be some lawsuits uh, to come out of that. But yeah, the, the Microsoft guy writing the bill that gets passed by the lawyer and maybe Microsoft has some software along that line or some research. Um, a little, you know, double dipping maybe. Just a little sus. A little yeah. sus. But uh, moving on from Microsoft, though, Apple's factories in China may still be in the process of getting back up to speed, but the company hasn't exactly been sitting around. Now, in addition to rumors of a... Um, a potential purchase of a California-based virtual reality company called NextVR. Uh, Apple recently mm. bought the popular Dark Sky weather app and uh, kind of told Android users uh, that their version of the app was going away soon, so goodbye. Clearly not into maintaining a cross-platform version of Dark Sky. I like Dark Sky. This is the one one of the ones that was really first into the sort of micro-forecast. Yeah. Micro, like, micro-forecast, yeah. It's, it's I raining still use it. on your yeah. block, yeah. I guess I'm not going to use it on my Samsung anymore. Yeah, yeah, because it's not Uh, going to be there for you, and I am not sure if Dark Sky is going to still be a standalone app or if Apple is just going to pull all of that technology in and integrate it into their own iOS weather app and a future version of iOS coming down the road. But this was a sad day for for Android fans of Dark Sky, just to have it taken away from them. But uh, speaking of future developments of iOS, uh, iOS 14 is well underway. Uh, The rumor sites are buzzing uh, with tips about a redesigned wallpaper and home screen settings and the ever-popular of the new iPhone 9 or iPhone SE two or whatever we're going to call a little budget one you know that's still in the works too maybe it will come out by the time you heard this so 
So Apple on the, the uh, hardware and software side, uh, keeping busy, um, Apple CEO Tim Cook also said the company was pitching in even more with the pandemic supply struggle, said it's now sourced over 20 million masks for healthcare workers. As we know, PPE, the personal protective equipment, is yeah. just in shortage all the way around the world, and it's becoming Big a time. huge problem for healthcare workers on the front line. Uh, Cook said that Apple uh, has even designed its own custom face shields for medical workers to help keep them safe. And the first shipment of those arrived at uh, Kaiser, not El Kaiser, but Kaiser Hospital in Santa Clara Valley just the other week. Apple hopes to hit one million shipments of these special Apple-designed face masks by the end of this coming week and uh, then consistently wants to ship a million per week after that. So, the- Do they work with an app? I don't know if you need an app to like adjust the the shade or anything. I'm I'm, I'm hoping it's just you know a really slick hardware design. Yes, um, and I, I just don't know if you to. need to have a an iCloud ID to, to to put one on or anything. Does it work on Android? That's what I want to know. <laughs> no. No. Yes. I'm, Yes, and, and it will not tell you the weather. So, but, but that's more, they're they're fighting. You know, they're they're trying to to do their part for the the global uh, war on the virus. So, but hey, they uh, sent a bunch of masks to New York, so that's very nice of them. Yeah, yeah. No, we're, we in New York are grateful for for yes, all indeed. the things that are coming our way since we are, are deep into it now. Oh yeah. But in other news related to the global pandemic, broadband engineers in the UK have been threatened with violence, and some network equipment has been set afire by conspiracy theorists who believe that 5G cellular technology is somehow behind the COVID-19 coronavirus. I don't know where this came up, what kind of pub quiz joke this was, but... I don't know. But people are taking it seriously, uh, and the rumor was instantly debunked, even just not even being bizarre, but just like, no, this isn't... You know, viruses are caused by viruses. And so the whole idea that was 5G radiation caused some kind of mutation or whatever. But apparently a cell tower was set on fire in Birmingham, England, and network engineers on the job had been targets for both verbal and physical abuse. Major social media outlets have responded by taking down all content that's spreading this 5G coronavirus theory. But but still, I know people tend to believe a lot of crazy things in times of stress, but, but really... This is 5G, just stupid. coronavirus. This, uh, thing, you stupid. Know. This is like straight up dumb. Ugh, I'm not even going to say anything. I'm just going to keep quiet. I'm keep quiet. Yeah, so, so that's one of the weirder things. <laughs> but but also, uh, while you're in the middle of a global health crisis, um, hey, let's launch a new product. <laughs> I guess some people thought that might be, be a bad thing, but uh, the folks behind Quibi, the mobile-only short-form video platform, decided, well, you know, the world's on fire, but let's launch our app anyway, as we were planning to all along April 6th. They did, I guess, cancel the uh, launch party, because maybe that was going to be a a little problematic with the social distancing and lack of yeah, flights yeah. and all that. But um, for those of you unaware of Quibi, it's a, a new product. Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman, uh, formerly CEOs of large companies, DreamWorks and eBay, uh, respectively, or just two that these have worked on, they spent the last couple of years ginning up about $1.8 billion in investor cash to build this platform. And then they were luring uh, talent like LeBron James, Chance the Rapper, Jennifer Lopez, Idris Elba. Bill Murray, the fabulous Chrissy Teigen, and um, Steven Spielberg, that young chap, uh, trying to get them all to create content for this new platform. True to its name, which is a combination of Quick and Bytes, Quibi's 10 minutes or less lineup is supposed to include movies that will be released in chapters, little documentaries, unscripted reality shows, and and as you can imagine, just like little quick news bits uh, from a lot of the major networks, I think, are are contributing NBC, ESPN, the BBC. All of them are going to do these little sort of 
micro shows. And uh, the uh, service will be free for the first three months, and then after that, it'll be $5 a month with ads or $8 without ads in the middle of your already short video. So uh, people say, well, this could be either a huge, huge hit because people in self-isolation are so desperate for something new and their attention spans are shot because they've been staring at screens all day, so maybe this is the perfect thing, or maybe it's going to get lost in the shuffle because everyone is just so freaked out or they're trying to get back to nature and weave and read books and and get away from screens. I don't know which way it's going to go, but are you at all uh, intrigued by Quibi? Not even close. Not even close. I mean, I don't believe in this whole attention span thing, considering... Let's let's just walk through this, right? We've got Hulu, Netflix, all these streaming services. What's the one common denominator with them? You can binge watch, right? Yes, juicy long scripted shows. If I'm afflicted by a short attention span, wouldn't it stand to reason I wouldn't be a binge watcher? Yeah, you you would you would just be constantly flipping around and watching the first ten minutes of every show, and exactly. So the idea that this service is going to just give me bite-sized chunks when I'm conditioned to get an entire series of stuff, half hour, one hour, two hours worth of stuff. And I watch in three to four hour chunks. It does make a lot of sense to me. I know. It's like you got a box of junior mints and you only have one a day instead of just hoovering the entire box of junior mints in one sitting. Exactly. And that's what we're used to doing. So I don't understand the I don't understand the concept here. The assumption that people aren't going to want to watch a movie in one sitting, but rather in 10 chapters. Yeah, part of it, I think, is playing to the sort of serialization and the lack of time. And maybe the parents are working from home and the kids are flying off the ceiling fan and and maybe they just want 10 minutes to themselves and they can watch this little encapsulated thing and that's good. There is sort of some narrative interesting things you can do with serialized fiction and, and oh, serialized video. No if, question it, if it's well written, it. it also has to be well written to, to hook Correct. you uh, to, to want to go on yes. to the next chapter. Is it going to be a show of like Chrissy Teigen loses her hamster every then where they, you know, it, it, it yeah, depends well, on the premise too. And if it's, I think also memeable, you know, who knew the Tiger King was going to be such a, a big deal. So you never know what people are going to latch on to. Yeah. See, but did we talk about this last week? Tiger King? The thing we, about we Tiger briefly, King. Nine to one of us had seen it and it's a little too animal abusey for me. Yes, I agree. But the point about Tiger King is that it hit when people were desperate for something to take them out of the news. Yeah. And this is something that's so out of left field, so bizarre, so weird. And it still has that, you know, uh, crime podcast vibe. Yeah. Even though it's a video documentary that it, it just hit the zeitgeist perfectly. Quibi. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think yeah. there was a demand yeah, out it's, there. It's all about timing. Yes, exactly. It's all about timing. You know what? I don't think there are people literally screaming, hey, I want a 10-minute Spielberg movie. That's what I want right now. You know? Mm-hmm. I think I could really do with a 10-minute Spielberg. It would hit the spot. It would hit the spot. You know yeah. what? Why don't we cut up Jaws into 10-minute <laughs> yeah. yeah, that, that, that might kind of kill the suspense. Uh, it to, just might. It yeah, just might. The, but um, I'm, I'm, on the, I'm on the camp. But then, you know, I'm probably wrong, and I'll end up getting it. And, you know, I bet you it's something my daughter would love. Yeah. You know? The, the kids I mean, do love. Well, you know, what TikTok 
videos are 10 seconds. Correct. So this would yeah, be exactly this would practically be gone with a win for them if they're watching 10 minute clips. <laughs> and then there, exactly. are, and there are people also and, and my niece uh, will do this, too, where they will just sit down in front of YouTube and it's gathered up all these recommendations based on what they've watched before. And they'll watch right. a ton of three to seven minute clips and just sort of spoon, you know, spool them up and just watch for half an hour and see all the, and they could be on completely different topics, but it's just something that has triggered some algorithm that, oh, you are interested in puppies or, oh, you're really interested in this. And then right. it shows them stuff that they would be inclined to watch. And so I don't know if, if yeah. Quibi is going to have the recommendation engine or, but I think they've got about 50 shows or so that, that they're sort of getting up front as of launch and, you know, maybe things will build the, the whole idea of, Five dollars with ads. I'm like, you're really gonna put an ad in a ten minute thing? I mean, because yeah. I get annoyed. I mean, will be then YouTube will shove like an ad in like a three minute, you know, and then you got a mid roll. So mm-hmm. people will try to make money off it one way or the other. I'm not feeling this. I don't. I'm not feeling this. I don't yes. see it happening. But I'm gonna be wrong. I know it. But yeah, well, we'll, we'll just you know sit back on the bleachers and then take it in. Yeah. Next year, some Quibi show is going to win Best Drama at the, at the Emmys. So. Yeah, and and you know the purists will complain, but of course. And finally, and finally, yes, with movie theaters on the list of closed businesses and states that are ordering uh, all of its people to stay home, some theater owners are thinking up ways to kind of maintain at least a trickle of a revenue stream. Uh, kind of hard when when your whole plan is based on selling out a 200-seat auditorium and then selling people $15 popcorn, but still, uh, they're they're looking now. According to Variety, uh, some small art house theaters, uh, including uh, those behind Alamo Draft House, Film Forum, the Angelica here on the East Coast, and I think there's some in L.A., um, they're experimenting with films that can be streamed at home. Now, in this scenario, a moviegoer buys a digital ticket, you know, say around $12 or whatever, something that's not over the top but yet isn't a dollar. And so then this uh, $12 digital ticket gives them access to a temporary link to stream the film at home for a limited period. I think it's how a lot of screeners for award season are going out to. Yep. People get, yeah, get exactly uh, time-expired links. And so they are experimenting with stuff that they would normally show in the theater but making it be... A, a digital stream for people to watch at home. Now, while the screens may not be as big, uh, nor the sound systems probably quite as Dolby for some home viewers, it does mean fewer annoying audience members to harsh your mellow there. You don't True. have to go out. You're watching in the comfort and safety and cleanliness of your own home. And uh, the concession stand items are probably way cheaper. So And healthier. Yeah, and healthier. And you know, the whole thing, don't bring in outside food. He's like, no, you right. know, it's in my exactly. food. Exactly. Yes. So, so we'll, we'll see if this catches on. Uh, I think it also depends on how long the, the stay-at-home orders will be in effect. I know people are, what we're once saying, the end of April are now talking about June and July and, and how long can businesses hold on. But but this I thought this was kind of okay. They're, they're trying. They're trying to work within this very restrictive framework of nobody can leave the house. How do we sell our products? So Yeah. So yeah. we'll see if that works. But that's about it for the news. Uh, for anyone out there who wants to know more about all the stories we talked about in this segment, you can find them all at poptechjam.com. Up next, we're going to talk about uh, doing something productive in your self-isolation. Hey, 14 hours of Netflix is productive. So you, you've been uh, keeping yourself busy there in, in your um, self-isolation at home? I have indeed, have indeed. As many projects as I can 
pack on? It's always good to, to keep busy. And, and I, I think probably the first few days that we were all at home, people just sort of, ah, I'm just going to eat all the cookies and watch all the TV and, and not do anything. And then you're sort of into your third or fourth week of of uh, home quarantine and you're thinking, well, maybe I should do something. A lot of people, it's, oh, I can finally clean the kitchen and or I should do this. A lot of people are, are sorting photos and scanning them. And so I was thinking about this and other things that could be maybe digitized for productivity. Because you look at the scenario, you're in the house anyway, you can't leave the house. Right. Maybe you've cleaned the house, you found some things, you forgot where they were. You're also thinking about, well, it's a great big digital world out there, and I should have backups of things like stock certificates and vital records and all that. And hey, even if I don't have a scanner, is there a way that I can maybe digitize these? So while I am here at home and not able to go anywhere, I can actually do a useful project that will pay off down the road should I ever need backups of digital documents. Hmm. So so I was uh, thinking about this and uh, did some research, and th- there's actually many ways that you can scan your stuff and keep it safe. Now, ha- have you scanned like all of your vital records and, and things that you only have one paper copy of and, and would be oh, kind of yeah, hosed yeah. if you lost? Absolutely. And we keep them in a safe. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 a good thing to, to have, especially in the times of floods and fires and tornadoes and mudslides, too. I know some people are looking for online storage solutions of things, which, yeah, it's great to have it in the cloud. Security is always going to be an issue. So I have uh, some security notes on that. But but if you decide, oh, hey, I want to I want to scan all my stuff. I want to be productive. And oh, I've also got these newspaper clippings and like these wedding invites and these things. You know, the people always have like this box of curios and ephemera that they've kept in a box from from little points in their life. And maybe these things are paper and you can scan them and have a digital record of those too. So so uh, for part of this project, just gather up anything that's sort of flat and scannable that you want to make a digital copy of and just neatly organize it. Find a nice table with some good light, some room, room to spread out. Do not put your strawberry milkshake on the edge of this table while you're doing this. Uh, you want to keep your originals pristine. So, so find a nice uh, clean work area, Get all the stuff, stack it up. Scanning is not exactly a super interesting job by nature, and just unless you're really into hearing scanners go. But you know, get a playlist that you like, or a podcast that you want to listen to, or or something to sort of work by. You know, pirate shanties, whatever your, your preferred working music might be. So pirate um, shanties, okay. Yeah, you know, they were invented as work songs to, to nice, you know, keep nice. the sailors going. So there so you, you got go. your stack, you're in your nice clean environment, and then from here you can go one of two ways. If you've got a multifunction printer that has the scanner feature, yay, you've got a nice flatbed scanner there, even if you have never used it because you just bought the printer on sale or you got it free when you bought a computer and have only used it to output spreadsheets. If it says multifunction and you've got the manual around and you lift up the top and there's a piece of glass there, yeah, you've got a scanner. So uh, you do need to figure out how to use it based on the equipment you have. Usually um, it involves either attaching a a USB cable to the computer and using the scan software that came with the printer or the driver on your computer, like within your operating system, to hit the scan feature and scan there. Some scanners have a memory card slot, so you can put in a, a secure digital card and scan to that and then transfer the card to your computer that way. Uh, there's very various ways that you can can get the information uh, from scanner onto computer, so you need to look that up yourself for your particular equipment. But if you've got a flatbed scanner, just learn how to use it, fire it up. You can scan a ton of stuff, and it's a really nice way to make a high-resolution copy of your document. You can crop it, trim it. It'll just dump it in a, a preordained folder on your computer, 
And then you've got this whole folder of stuff. Now, if you do not have a printer, because uh, some people just don't see the need for paper, so you don't even have a printer, let alone a multifunction one, you can use a mobile app instead. Uh, hopefully you've got a nice. smartphone. And there are a ton of um, mobile scanning apps out there. This is one of the first categories that I think hit when people realized you can use a smartphone camera to capture an image and then uh, either just save it straight as a JPEG or convert it to a PDF on the phone. So uh, there are tons of these in the App Store. What you should do, though, is be sure to read the privacy policy so you know where your data is being stored and how it's being managed by the company. If they are one that only wants to put your stuff in the cloud uh, and you feel weird about having personal stuff like that in this company's cloud, then maybe you find one that keeps your file stored locally on the phone. Wirecutter, which is the uh, product review site owned by the New York Times, uh, looked at a few apps and had some recommendations. Adobe Scan, uh, they liked it for the feature set. That is one that wants you to put stuff in Document Cloud. Um, I think they also liked um, Microsoft Office Lens, and then there's a very uh, expensive scanning app called ScanPro that's like 75 bucks, but that's your hardcore professional mobile scanner app there. But there are other options, too. Dropbox and Evernote have scanning functions if you already happen to subscribe to some of those services. If you want a cheapish app that is Android and iOS compliant and keeps all the stuff on the phone and does not go flinging your pixels into the cloud... Pixoff TurboScan is the one that I use personally. It's like five bucks, and it does a very nice job. So there's a ton out there, but just find one that you like. There was one called Cam Scanner that was very popular a couple of years ago until they discovered that it was loading malware into the Android version, and I think it also keeps a copy of your stuff, and that app is based in China, which made some people nervous. So um, so be sure to read up on what, what you think you might want to download to your phone. So, But once you find an app and you like it, uh, you basically... Also, you can just put the document that you want to scan down, nice, well-lit area. Some apps will just pick up your camo flash to illuminate the document properly. It captures the image. You can even sense the boundaries of the document, converts it straight into a PDF or a JPEG, depending on your settings. And then you can store it either online or on your phone and then uh, move it to your computer and, and put it elsewhere. But it makes it go very fast if you're just basically snapping pictures of these documents with your phone and the phone's doing all the work. Do you have a scanning app that you prefer, uh, Mr. Kaiser? I use Adobe Scan, but I'm 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 intrigued by the one you mentioned, Pixoff. Yeah, the Pixoff Turbo Scan, which I've been using for years and years, and I think at least 10 years. Uh, it's, it was one of the first ones out into the space. And it, it doesn't have the slickest interface. And uh, a lot of... Super sophisticated scanning apps will also include optical character recognition. So not only can you take a scan of that document, it'll translate the the images uh, into editable text. Some people don't need that if you're just taking a picture of, like, here's the car title. You don't really need to OCR that, and so just a, a regular scanning app is fine. But but you should also assess your needs for, for what you want the scanner to use. Some people also want one an app that can do both photographs and documents equally well. Because there are a, a ton of apps that promise to, to scan your old photos. And two of the ones in that category, which will actually use some artificial intelligence to try to make crusty old photos look better, Google's PhotoScan, which I think we've talked about on the show before, yes, we which have, yeah. uh, captures various parts of the photo and then stitches them all together and tries to remove things like glare and, and grit from the photo. That one's free for Android and iOS. There's also a similarly named app called PhotoScan by a company called PhotoMine, M-Y-N-E. 
And that's also for Android and iOS. And that uses algorithms as well to enhance the photos. Got a very, very limited free version on that. Uh, the full version has a ton of stuff, including very high resolution images and tons of other editing features, but that's 10 bucks a month. So you have to, to gauge your commitment to photo scanning if you do want to sign up for that. Sure. I did a lot of stuff with, with Google PhotoScan doing research, and the resolution could be a little bit higher, but it actually does a decent job of capturing. And there's also nothing to stop you from pulling that image in and using editing software on top of that to make it look better. Some people will also just take the phone camera and take a picture of the picture and be fine. So you may not even need a, a scanner for that. So. Hmm. So that that is another option. It just depends on you know your storage format and how you want to to store these things. So um, I find that the photo scanning apps are great if you've got ancient photos stuck like permanently stuck in old albums or in these bulky frames that oh you can't get God. open anyway. Yes. If you can get yeah, a decent yeah, yeah, yeah. picture of that without glare on the screen, uh, you, you can capture the image that way. So these are all the various uh, apps that you can use to to get the material. But as we said at the top of this segment. When you're scanning all your vital records, you're basically making a identity theft to go kit uh, if you do not mm-hmm. protect that. And because identity thieves are always on the hunt for personal information, you really need to keep the stuff protected. So uh, password protected at the very least. There's a lot of apps out there that can lock up folders, commercial encryption programs. You can lock up your entire hard drive uh with um, tools that are built into Windows and Mac OS. PDF editing programs like Adobe Acrobat DC have a password feature. You know, maybe use multiple ways. If you if you think you're going to store this stuff online, definitely encrypt it before you oh God, put yeah, it on absolutely. your online locker and make sure that you have a really tough dual authenticated password for Dropbox or whatever version you're using and then you know, make sure the file's encrypted before you upload it because you really, really want to keep this stuff uh, secure. You can also put stuff on an encrypted flash drive, put it in like a lockbox or a fireproof chest. Yeah, that's what we did. Yeah. So, so there, there's uh, many places where you can store the data. Some people, I'm going to burn it to CD. Is like, well, make sure you've got a CD player 10 years from now that you can decode all this stuff should you need it. Legacy formats are an issue, as, as I'm sure you, the audio pro, know. F- formats come and go. They do indeed. But, but by the time you've done all this and got your nice big pile of documents securely stored, encrypted, password protected, should anything happen to the paper versions, or even if you just wanted to share some of those old photos or fun little like ancient wedding invitations, from your parents' wedding, you can you know share those with, with family members, but it gives you digital copies. So should anything ever happen to your analog set, you got a little backup here. Always a good idea. Yeah, so, so that, that's a hopefully helpful hint in a nutshell. I will post a, a link to a uh, five-step uh, article that walks you through all of this with convenient links to some of the apps that we mentioned. And guess where you can find that particular link? PopTech Jam? It would be there, yes. Yes, yes, I knew it. Yes. Oh. So, uh, but I think this probably brings us to the end of another show here. Does that mean we have to thank the bros? I believe that does mean we have to thank the bros. I hope they're doing well down uh, where they're at. I hope they're doing well. Thank you, bros. Builtbybros.com. If you think it, they will build it. Yes, and thank you, listeners, for downloading us. We hope you're not getting too shack-wacky uh, here uh, if you are in the uh, <laughs> one of the stay-at-home zones. It is uh, sort of an interesting experience, but again, you know, we're, we're, we're doing it to keep everyone safe. Shack wacky. Yes. I like that. So, uh, so until next time when we're back with more, and we'll probably be back sooner than later since we have all this spare time, <laughs> yes, I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. We will see you then next time. Adios. Adios.